Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matty, how are we feeling today? I'm feeling great. I feel like uh, 20 years ago, I could have used uh, Jeremy's help. Yeah, so... <laughs> About uh, 20 years ago. Our actually, guest today, to, to 20. I'm, I'm super pumped. Uh, a guy I've actually been really wanting to get on the show for a while... We had uh, an opening where, uh, where Michael Bennett wasn't uh, wasn't able to join us last minute. So uh, filling in with, uh, we've got a million questions for him. It is Jeremy Evans. He is the host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. He is an entertainment media and sports lawyer out in LA. Jeremy, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us here today. Hey, honestly, you guys, I, I'm honored that I got invited and you know, happy to be here with you and excited for our conversation. For sure, for sure. I'm I'm really pumped because we're just gonna pepper you with questions about NIL because this has just opened up such a huge new thing for all the student athletes out there. As most of you guys already know, we are presented to you by betonline.ag and we're better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. So head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your welcome bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. My social media feed for this show is just inundated with dudes like pitching products now. Like I saw a thing today where Braylon Allen and Graham Mertz were out in Las Vegas, like getting all these clothes and stuff like that. And I'm like, dang, like I want to know, first of all, so it's been it. What it, was it July 1st that NIL first became technically legal for students? Right. Yeah. July 1st was the date that the some of the states had set as the sort of the starting point. And then other states began to follow along. I think California's wasn't coming into play until 2023, but they ended up moving it up. Um, they went and had a legislative sort of update to the bill. Uh, so they can move it up. But yeah, that was the date that uh, everything kind of went live. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's go back a second. Let's go back a second. Cause I, it, the, July one is when my heart broke. Could have made like 20, but I could have made beer money. I think in, in college, at least Jeremy, what? So the NCAA let's back in the 90, I mean, they almost killed teams for violations. So I don't want to stop. I like, I want to hear like a little bit more of maybe some history. Cause the NCAA was, Iron fist. You couldn't get a free pair. You couldn't get a ride in a car with a donor. Like we had these meetings where they're like, you cannot accept absolutely anything. I used to, people would ask me to go to temple and I would have to sc- get on my scooter and drive there. So let's just, I'm sorry, Matt, Matty P to cut no, you by off, all like, means, this is, this is what I'm here for, man. But like, w- how did it go from like almost teams getting a death penalty for getting paid 
like Miami, SMU, you know, the shoebox happened at Wisconsin that almost killed us first. It killed us for a season. Mm-hmm. And Michael Bennett, who had been on, was affected. Chris Chambers, I can name 20 guys. Ron Dane almost didn't play in the NFL because of it. Right. How did it go from there in your in your eyes to now it's almost so in my eyes, correct me if I'm wrong, almost the wild, wild west in college sports? Yeah, no, it's a really good question, Matt. And and I think where I sort of look at this is I, I would I would just have a distinction between getting paid to play and getting paid to promote a product, right? So now people can argue all day long whether that's a huge distinction or not. But when you look at NIL laws and that stuff was already on the books. So rights of publicity have existed for hundreds of years. And a matter of fact, California's rights of right of publicity law, I think it's been around since 1975, at least in terms of like as a, as a statute. Um, the problem was the NCAA was saying, you cannot do this. Like if you want to be involved in our our association, you have to abide by these rules, right? So I think where what ended up really happening was the NCAA did not want to do this, but state law, state legislatures came along and said, we're going to speed up this process, probably with pressure from outside groups and from, um, and really just from legislators who watch college football and basketball and said, Hey, let's, let's sort of change the rules. So they began to pass legislation to say, let's change this. And they set this sort of arbitrary date of July 1st, 2021. Um, But I think where all of this changed, to your point, Matt, is this idea that I think the universities kind of opened Pandora's box when they began to accept multi-million and billion dollar television contracts, when they began to accept apparel deals, you know, UCLA's $280 million apparel deal. So... To me, in my mind, regardless of whether you have a student athlete or what have you, people are going to begin to question that. They're going to go, well, why is the university making all this money, but I'm not allowed to make that money? But here's the other thing. I don't even think NIL exists, but for two things. Number one is social media, because otherwise social media doesn't exist. Where are these people promoting these products? Uh, Television only has a certain amount of time and energy. Uh, and money to go to certain things. And only the biggest athletes get those opportunities. The Michael Jordans, the Peyton Mannings, that sort of thing. The second piece of it, in my mind, is if the NCAA, if, if the NBA and the NFL did not, did not have one and done in junior transfer year uh, rules, we wouldn't, I, in my mind, we wouldn't even be in this situation. Because when we're talking about name, image, and likeness, we're really talking, we're not talking about baseball. We're not talking about hockey. We're not talking about soccer because all of those folks have options to go play overseas or to go to a minor league system. Matter of fact, major league baseball just introduced that was MLB next, which is 21 new minor league clubs that they're instituting. NFL is not doing that. Uh, Famously Titans coach, Mike Vrabel, when when asked by a reporter, uh, why does the NFL not have a minor league? He said, and he kind of quipped and, probably mistakenly and said, Oh, what are you talking about? We have the NCAA. I mean, that's literally what they pull from. That is their minor league system. But if athletes had a choice and if it wasn't, you have to go to basically this option to get into the NBA draft or whatever. Now I will, I will give credit to the NBA because uh, they changed their rules. Now you have the G league, 
Now you have the Professional Pathways Program. And then also you have the Overtime Elite League, which is now awarding high school basketball players. So uh, that's kind of the brief history of it. That's why I think things are the way they are today. Um, and as any agent would tell you, and I'm not an agent, but you always want to try to move the needle more towards your client. And um, if I was representing the athletes, I think getting NIL was a, was a, a move in that direction. So, oh, Ben, no, you go for it. I was going to say, so if, I, if I'm a student athlete, I can, my understanding is that I can get money for endorsements. I can get money for pretty much everything that doesn't involve actually playing the sport. Is that exactly. correct? That's exactly right. And, you know, there's one other distinction I want to make, too, Matt, on that. Um, a lot of people get the Supreme Court case, NCAA, uh, was it Alston versus NCAA? And then um, this NIL legislation mixed up because NIL was all about let's get let's get paid for doing off the fields promoting for products. Sure. It's, it's advertising. That's all mm -hmm. it is. It's social media advertising. It's basically allowing what professional athletes do at the college level. Um, and there's limitations to it. For example, in Georgia, uh, I think 74.6% of the money that comes in is pulled back into the athletic department and goes to other student athletes. They also have uh, limitations on what products you can endorse. No sin industry products are allowed. You can't do cannabis. You can't do alcohol. Um, can't do pornography. Can't do any of that stuff. But that's in Georgia. Right, that's in Georgia. California so does each state have their own? I'm sorry to cut you off, but each state has, I would assume, their own what you can and can't do. I think there's probably about 20 or so states that have NIL legislation in play. The other states are not necessarily forbidden from doing it because they never had state laws that said you can't do it. It was the NCAA saying that you can't do it. So I think every state's different. There's been a push to make a national law. I don't see that happening uh, United States is built as a constitutional republic. So from a legal standpoint, states have a ton of rights. Federal government has limited. That might seem uh, maybe rare in some occasions, but it's particularly in this time. Um, but I, I think uh, the second part I wanted to mention was this idea of Alston versus NCAA. Because people are like, oh, the Alston case, the Supreme Court gave athletes name, image, and likeness. No. What the Alston case did was it said that schools universities cannot limit the amount of scholarships that are given to students because prior to Alston, they were saying X student can only get this amount of dollars. Now the schools are open to compete with each other. And what that does is it's a second bite at the apple in my mind, where if you guys are both college athletes, and I know Matt, that you, that you were, um, you can make all this money on NIL and Tim Tebow is the biggest, biggest example for me. Here's a guy that would have made a ton of money as a college athlete. Not that he didn't make money afterwards, but, um, but then also as from a scholarship standpoint, and this is where I think the gray area gets into, let's say that you're being highly recruited and all of a sudden some coach says, um, all right, we're going to offer you this scholarship. And by the way, the scholarship includes housing or it includes uh, an off-campus, you know, a vehicle or something. Well, they're supposed to be education-related expenses. Um, I think we could, could foreseeably see some sort of story that happens that says, oh, coach at some school offers uh, and gives some college athlete uh, $10,000 to go buy a car and, and claims that it's related to education because he needs to drive to school, you know? 
Uh, it's blue chips. It's the movie Blue Chips. Right. <laughs> you need a tractor? Right. Yeah, a tractor. Shaquille O'Neal. Thank right. you. I'll tell you the, I just, the busiest people in the world are going to be compliance officers. Was, well, I have a question about that too. But but Jeremy, do you think if it just sounds like to me there's a ways around some of these things that maybe the whoever's writing the rules aren't listen, I'm all for it. So I want everyone to know that like I want guys to get paid. I just also want it to be fair to where if some dude's getting recruited, the the let's say the best next best Bo Jackson's getting recruited. Why would he go to Auburn if Michigan's like, dude, you're going to be on Team Jordan? You know, it's it, it's he's just going to be part of it, right? Like, what? Why would I? Why would I, I? I just want it to be fair, right? So that's my thing. And also, this happened because Nigel Hayes was very outgoing, outspoken about this. He said his family could never come visit him. I think that's so sad. It's terrible. But does Nigel Hayes make money in in the NIL era? So I'm also concerned that. The, the people and the athletes that I think NIL is set up for to, to succeed might not actually be the ones that need it to succeed, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really good point, Matt. And I think one of the issues that was brought up is this idea, okay, well, compliance and how do you, you know, if you have, let's say, for example, 50 different state laws, and then, of course, you have individual conferences and schools that might have rules that say you can't do this or you can't do that. For example, the California's Fair Pay to Play Act says that the student can't sign a deal that conflicts with the university. So meaning you can't sign an apparel deal. Um, now, whether they're going to restrict it to be that much, but you definitely can't wear that apparel on the field. You know, But on the field, but I thought you could look because Wisconsin's Under Armour. And I've heard that there are thoughts about like all the other clothing come. I don't know which ones, but that you sure. could you could do it, but you can never wear it when you're at the stadium. Listen, right. Barry Alvarez was super pissed when anyone wore an Adidas, no, not um, Reebok shirt or or shorts when we transitioned to Adidas, which makes sense because that's a big deal. Yeah, you know, Matt, I agree with you. And I think that student athletes should probably be able to wear whatever. I mean, frankly, they do it now. They wear whatever they want. The difference is getting paid for it. Um, I'm just curious as to whether the sort of compliance officers will will push that line and say, well, you can't wear. I just had a conversation with a UCLA uh, colleague of mine uh, who works in compliance. And he's like, one of the issues we're dealing with is how strict is this law? Does this mean that they can't wear stuff? Is this like a NASCAR thing where you have to remove the Coke bottles or whatever from the thing because you're sponsored by Pepsi or like, so it's going to be interesting how that plays out. But to the competitive question that you had, I am curious how that plays out, but I will say this. We're talking about essentially for basketball, one year of time. Because unless you're there for four years, you're basically going for one year and then you're transferring out or you're going to the draft or you're going to uh, the G League and you're doing the professional pathways program or what have you. So we're talking about a long amount of time unless you're there for four years. Um, but in my mind, you know, if you're going to pick to go to a school, your number one choice should be, OK, well, what education am I getting? And then number two should be, do we have a chance to win a national championship? And if you're not making it from that decision, then 
I mean, and then, and then of course, because I guess the next decision is, okay, well, what state has an NIL law? Where can I make money? I mean, if I would listen, I completely agree with you. When I went to college, it was, oh my God, Wisconsin's a, an amazing school. It's an amazing football team. And they, they use a fullback because I was a fullback. So these are like, and it's the big 10 compared to um, Syracuse is like the big East. And, you know, they were getting beat up every year. So it made sense. I don't know if that is the same anymore because winning a national title is really at this point, like 10 schools have a chance each year. Like, let's be real. Right. Maddie P. What do you think? Like, I think it's, there's like the top, like, I, think, I, think to 10, I think 10 is being generous. I think 10 is being generous, but that's, I also, I also think a, though. So I guess my question then goes to, okay, so how does this affect just recruiting in general? Right. Because does the, does there do we get an NIL infrastructure for, you know, if I am recruit, if I am the coach at, let's say, like, you know, at USC, right? Lincoln Riley is the new coach at USC. USC, we know, has a lot of alums, a lot of money, a lot of boosters and things like that. Is there an infrastructure set up? Can they set up an infrastructure that says, hey, you come here and we can, you know, maybe we can't say it, or maybe we can't say it. We can guarantee you $10,000 a year in NIL money from these different, you know, companies that are owned by the boosters of the program. Right. And I, I think that's a, it's a, I think it's an important question. And I think it's something that's going to be probably an issue that's going to have to be, you know, as Matt, as you mentioned in the beginning, talk about wild West. Um, that's really where we're at, but I, I'm not necessarily against it. I, I, I think, I think giving folks options is probably a good thing. Um, but that being said, could there be some sort of NCAA national model that says, here's the basic parameters of what we expect from NIL? That's, that, that should probably happen. I think conferences should do the same thing. Um, you know, now you're hearing about high school athletes, athletes profiting, specifically in California, because um, there's no rules against it. I mean, uh, so unless there is one, but frankly, in California, it seems to be a pretty wide open space. But it's going to be interesting, but if I'm a college athlete and I'm having to choose between one school and another, let's say USC and Alabama, I think both look both schools are are you know you're usually going to be top contenders, um, you know, or or you're going to have a chance to win something. I think if I'm an athlete, I'm looking at okay, do I have a chance to play? Uh, to your point, not every school is going to be a national champion, um, but I have a chance to play. Is it a good team? What's the coach like? Do I want to live there? You know, like, for example, you went to graduate school. There was this statistic that was sent to us when, when I started law school. And it was, there's a 95% chance that where you go to school is where you end up practicing law. And so I thought, okay, well, where do I want to be, right? Do I want to be in, you know, this city or this city? So I think, you know, again, if you're making your decision based on NIL as a student athlete, um, I think it should be a factor. But I don't think it should be the sort of like the end all be all of how much money am I going to make? Um, but people will argue that and they'll say, oh, well, there's more here. There's more that. But I think competition is a good thing. And I think ultimately, if these schools have to compete with each other, that's better for the students. True. But if if they can't compete with each other, you know, right. like, I don't want I, you never know who's going to come out and be these top tier teams because they can pay players in whatever roundabout way 
they can. I would I would go and say that um, I, that would be in the top. I think it would be three different factors for me. And one would be school in no particular order. One would be how can I make money? Because I'm only listen. Football is a very short time period that you can actually play it. You know, unlike baseball and soccer, maybe not soccer, but there are sports that you can play for longevity and keep playing. Look at tennis. You could be like 60 and still play. Right. There's a PGA tour for 90 year olds. Right. So like you could not 90 year olds, but you could still play. Football is a really finite time. So could I make money if I don't go to the NFL? I would say same with college basketball, because some of these guys could probably make a ton of money in the area that they are and then not go to the NF- NBA and then have money. And I think that's kind of like what this is made for. Yeah. Now, I don't think it would change my mind, you know, particularly in a big deal. And I also don't think I'm one of those, those players that this comes into effect. Jeremy, do you, do you, are universities creating a whole new compliance area for this? Cause this seems like, you know, for me, if the second I talked to an agent, my eligibility was up in the NCAA. So if that happened the day, you know, my sophomore year, I couldn't play anymore. So what does that now look like at universities that you know? Yeah, no, that's a good question, Matt. And to back to your point too about competitiveness, I agree. There's going to be issues with it. There is no doubt. Um, and it's whether the schools can compete and it's whether what's going on behind the scenes. I think in one way it's good because it puts something that was probably going on behind the scenes, maybe more in the light in, in terms of now it's taxable income, um, things that were probably going on in terms of money being given. Um, you know, people always ask me, they say, well, and I'll, and I'll get to the second point that we're talking about compliance. They say, Hey, Jeremy, I, I teach a sport management uh, law class at Cal state long beach, their graduate program there. And they would say, well, shouldn't Reggie Bush get his Heisman Trophy back? Because now yes. we're paying athletes. And I said to him, well, they're two completely different things. Reggie Bush got paid to play. Like he got paid for basically just being an athlete and being on the team. It wasn't, it wasn't to promote a product or what have you. And I think people have a, sometimes have a hard time sort of looking at it that way, but there is a legitimate difference. It'd be like, um, me saying, Hey, you know, Matt, you scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. You give me this. I'll give you that, you know, hook me up with this deal and I'll give you this deal. I think there's a difference between that and you saying, Hey, Jeremy, or if I said, Hey, Matt, I want you to promote, you know, a product I'm pushing out there and I'm going to pay you X dollars and do this many social media posts. Mm-hmm. To me, there's two completely different relationships, but you know, people can argue about that. I think on the compliance piece, 100%, not only are they creating a completely new departments, now there's talk of uh, adding in, uh, and, there, and it is happening, adding in analytics departments and looking at the valuation of players and what they might be worth in a draft. Um, and then you're talking about um, individual schools actually having built-in platforms, not only for education, but also for NIL. And these schools are brokering direct deals with um, platforms like Influencer, or there's even the deal with uh, that's between Open Doors and Twitter, where all the athlete has to do is sign up for an account. And based on how many followers and engagement they have, according to their algorithm, they get paid so many dollars for promoting a brand partnership that they've already brokered with Twitter. So 
Um, there's a lot of room for development here. There's a lot of room for confusion, uh, but it's, it definitely is the, um, it, it is a new era to say the least. Who's guiding it? Like I had no idea that that was something. So is there, who's guiding these individual, who's guiding the athletes to say, Hey, you should go on Twitter and do that. Or you should go to Instagram and they have this deal. You know, it's a good question. I will say that, uh, Altia Sports Partners is out there. Um, it's run by a, a friend of mine named Casey Schwab. He's former, actually USC grad, uh, formerly with um, NFL Players Association, formerly with the NFL Network. Um, I think he was with Fox for a while. But uh, he now runs a company called Altia Sports Partners, which literally provides education and consulting to universities. Um you have other uh, companies. There's another company called Athliance, which is a, a combination of athlete and compliance, which literally provides a technology uh, that backs up compliance so that students can go in, log in their information and say, this is the deal I did. And then they can sort of run it through their compliance uh, system. But to your question, is there somebody like overlooking this? Well, the individual schools are, um, and they're definitely, they want to be compliant because if they're not compliant, they're going to lose scholarships. They're going to lose eligibility. Sure. They're going to lose all that stuff. I think eventually what's probably going to happen is the power five conferences and conferences will have sort of overarching, um, compliance stuff. The schools will have compliance stuff. And then depending on sort of what happens with the NCAA, uh, I would assume they would have a role in terms of overall, like compliance in terms of report back to us any violations or if we find out about stuff that would be sort of i think the the scenario yeah because w- wisconsin uses uh open doors for okay. their for uh for their nil partnerships so and, and so my understanding is that if i'm a business that wants to get whatever uw athletes to endorse my products i have to go through open doors to get to the athlete right right okay that's right. yeah that, that that that's really interesting and that's and that's really good to know. So, have you seen it? You know, have have there been any legal cases that have cropped up in the last 6 months or so since this sort of since Pandora's box really opened that you see affecting or or challenging sort of what is the new status quo? Not so much. I think it's too early for that. At least not nothing that I've been aware of, uh, but it is a good question because there could clearly be something down the road where a university sues and says, uh, this is unfair to us because we're losing on athletes for X, Y, Z reason. There's definitely going to be a lot of compliance issues. Um, and you get into the whole question of, uh, you know, I think California was right in uh, normally in a state that has a legislature that's controlled 75% by one party, that it's not usually going to be a pretty fair deal. But I will say that um, the Fair Pay to Play Act was pretty good in that uh, it was it was basically open market. Here's what it is. You guys go make your own money. I think where schools will get into problems is if they start charging students compliance fees and they say, oh, well, we're going to charge you an administrative fee uh, to help run this deal through our system. Or if they start helping these, these athletes broker deals or they make introductions um, because then it's like, okay, now are they acting as an agent? Are they acting mm-hmm. as their counsel? Like what's going on there? 
I think the right approach is that they just do compliance. You almost act as a government entity. The school does where it's like, we're just going to review this to make sure you've done a good job and that it's all compliant. You're not getting paid to play and you're actually promoting a product and you know, that sort of thing. I think as long as they stay in that role and they provide education as to watch out for this, watch out for that, I think they'll be okay. But if they, if they cross the line, I think that's going to cause some uh, serious problems and, and some potential litigation. Are these athletes creating their own, or is each person creating their own LLC? Like, is that happening or they go through Wisconsin's own what private business or whatever it is? It's a good question. I think the athletes should be, you know, creating their own LLCs depending on whatever state law is, but that's usually what I would advise my, you know, sort of uh, private clients is I would say form an LLC. And then generally you'll have what they call an, an inducement letter or a, a loan out corporation um, sort of where let's say Matt, uh, you guys, both of you guys are top athletes and, and I'm, I'm representing you and we're out there and we're trying to get you guys some deals. We would set you up as an LLC because it's a tax sort of, um, it's a, t- it's a, basically it's a, it's a tax, not a tax haven, but you get lower tax rates essentially. Yeah. And it helps protect you individually. But what ends up happening. So you can imagine all you even use like the mark, the uh, music context, Let's say that we have a performer, um, you know, Lady Gaga is going to perform at some concert. Well, she's going to contract through her LLC, but then we're going to have some inducement letter or some loan out sort of thing where it's like, okay, but you're also going to personally guarantee that you're going to show up and do this because we can't force your LLC to perform, but we can't force you to to Mm. abide by the contract or suffer the consequences. Um, so uh, that's that's pretty much what's happening, and I would imagine that these agents and lawyers are helping helping these folks do this. Um, so, and maybe some schools are better than others. Maybe some schools provide a little more education. Some schools provide a little more insight. Uh, I would think, and this sort of being the Badger Show, right? That Wisconsin uh, would be one of those better schools that would provide the education. Uh, and do the stuff that's needed because they're a perennial contender. They're a good school, got a good reputation. That's what I would assume should be happening. I, I listen. I I hope it is. But let's say so. I'm a young kid. I'm a senior. I just chose Wisconsin. I create an LLC. Who helps me set this stuff up? Like I don't know anything. I'm 17. Yeah, good question. Do I hire a lawyer? Like, does, is that what I do? Hundred percent, and I'll tell you, even the law in California, the California Fair Pay Fair Pay to Play Act, it's such a it's a mouthful, it's hard to say, but um, it's interesting because in that law it says something like you're allowed to hire an agent or lawyer to broker these deals, but here's the caveat, and this is I think the only state law that does this, and I might be wrong, but at least the one that I know of, and it says you cannot use that agent or lawyer. Um, as an agent or lawyer for your, for your draft prospects, meaning that you can't talk about those things as you're talking, as you're, as you're a current student athlete. Now Mm -hmm. to me, there's a potential there for a limit on free speech. There's a potential there on a limit for, um, well, not even free speech because you're not a government actor, but, uh, right. It's like free trade. There we go. Cause it's like, you can't tell somebody that they can't have a conversation particularly with an attorney because it's attorney client privilege. So you wouldn't even know about it unless the athlete, you know, spilled the beans because they hold the privilege. But 
It, it, it is interesting. So to your point, Matt, I think hire an agent, hire a lawyer. Um, absolutely. I mean, I don't see anybody else doing it. I don't think you'd want to hire your uncle or your brother to do it. Um, even if they were a lawyer, you want to keep it outside the family. Um, but anyway, that's that would be the way to do it. I think there's some options out there for legal Zoom and other stuff, but I'd be, at the end of the day, the way you could broker the deal is you could say, all right, I'm a student athlete. I don't have a ton of money. And if, and, or if you do, maybe you can pay the lawyer directly, but generally you're going to take a percentage, you know, an agent is used to that. And you say, I'll take five, 10, whatever percent of the deal that we broker. Yeah. So, that man, makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot it of makes, sense. It makes a lot of sense. The problem is I would hate to be an 18 year old. I mean, I'd love to, if I could make money and someone was there and is like, dude, let me help you like you, Jeremy. But if I'm not in California and or going to UCLA, dude, I don't know, man. It just seems like it, it, it seems great. And then it seems super stressful in a whole different non-academic or athletic area right. that has to have some effect on, on these kids. First off, social media already is stressful enough for me. And I'm an old guy who's married with a kid and like, none of this means anything to me anymore. But in college, I'm assuming, and we didn't have it in college, but after college, it meant something to me. Like you're low, you, you know, you, you see what you're trolling everything else. Right. Do you see this affecting the sport like drastically where it becomes not, I'm not saying football or basketball, are going to become something different, but do you see it becoming just a way different arena for like athletes? I do. And that's a really good question because there's this idea of, well, does it hurt competition in the locker room? If the top athlete, you know, is getting the quarterback or whatever is getting a $10 million deal, that's an astronomical number, but let's just make an assumption. And then of course, the rest of the guys are not getting that money. And of course they're in college. So it's not like you're getting paid a salary. Maybe there's some of that, but I think most athletes are going to be very professional about it. There's always going to be a leader on the team. There's always going to be somebody who has more talent or whatever. You either use it to motivate you or you use it to depress you, you know? Sure. And, and to make you upset. So, you know, it, it, it is a lot of stress. Um, but I think that's the irony in all of it, right. Is because it's like people for the longest time are fighting for let's, let's get more, let's get more of this, let's get more of this, let's get more of this. And then you get more and then you're like, oh crap, what do I do with it? You know? Um, and so I think if you got the right people around you and you can manage it, I think it's a great opportunity. Like you mentioned at the beginning, Matt, if you had this opportunity, what would have you, you know, there's so many things you could have done with it, whether it's a thousand dollar deal or whether it's a million dollar deal. Um, I think having the option is important, but it is a lot to navigate. There's no doubt. Like Jeremy, they sold my Jersey. With not my, with no name on the back of it, it was a forty-five. It couldn't have been anybody else, and yeah. I didn't get any money due to the fact that we could not we could not get paid for this stuff. Right? Can now our names on the back of jerseys? First, it was a copyright. My parents would buy all these jerseys in Wisconsin and could not get them put Bernstein on the back. They wouldn't do it, but they brought it back to New York, and New York's like, I don't know who this jersey from. You know, like I don't I don't know who this person is. So they put Bernstein on the back of all of them. So that so those are illegal jerseys once they step back into Wisconsin. The Bernstein clan is bad, man. We're bad. We're criminals. But like, so can you have the name on the back of a jersey now? 
See, now that's interesting. Um, EA Sports is now back in the mix, and they're talking about doing an NCAA game. I think there'll be a licensing deal in play there. Um, you know, do eventually, is there a, a NCAA Players Association? I don't know. I mean, I think at that point, you start talking about Players Associations, and then you're talking about employment, and then you're talking about getting paid as a salary. Um, I don't think universities... Um, you know, I don't know what the budgets are, but having gone to several universities, they're always looking for money. They're always looking for donors. Yeah. And it's because they're not profit centers. Really the only, I mean, you're paying salaries to these professors. Um, you know, again, I don't want to get into a whole discussion about budgets and stuff, but I think at the end of the day, um, it's a great opportunity. I think it provides for, uh, some potential issues in compliance. And we'll sort of see, you know, how it all plays out, but uh, fascinating stuff. We're excited to announce a new sponsor, and that is Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gifts of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. And they're a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as a classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. So head on over to lightboxjewelry.com and add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Yeah, so what what do you think is the the most the best or most creative endorsement you've seen so far? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, well, I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, I think it was a Gatorade that did that deal with the, uh, um, she actually just got injured, but uh, was she University of Connecticut? Um, oh yeah, Paige Beckers. Yeah. And she, I think they were the first to sign, first to sign uh, Gatorade. She was, I think Gatorade was the first to sign uh, a college athlete. I mean, I just think it was cool because it was the first. Um, you know, I don't know. I think some of the social media campaigns have been kind of kind of funny, um, but I don't think we, at least in my mind. So, like, I work a lot in the advertising space, right? So. Like I run my own practice, California sports lawyer, but I'm also in-house counsel for a company called Media Monks. And all they do is advertising. So I see some of the most innovative advertising there is. And I think until athletes can get to that point where they're working with brand teams and like really creating innovative, like funny or um, like powerful commercials. And I, I haven't seen any of that yet, I guess, is the answer to your question. So it's, I've seen some interesting stuff, but nothing, uh, nothing that like speaks out to me. Yeah. Cause like the whole Wisconsin offensive line is sponsored by mission barbecue. Right. So it would, which seems natural to have a barbecue joint sponsoring the guys who are definitely eating the most barbecue, which I, you know, I, I, I thought was pretty clever, even though I don't think mission barbecue is very good when it comes to, when it comes to the barbecue realm of things. What I also found interesting though, is that, the highest paid athlete, I believe, through NIL so far is not a football player, not a basketball player, but LSU gymnast Olivia Dunn. Because coming into college, I think she had something like 7 million followers already on like Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that. 
Have you seen, are, are there any other either like athletes or particularly notable things? Because to me, as you know, obviously I'm a football fan, but my wife is a massive college gymnastics fan. And like she lives and breathes UCLA gymnastics. And, you know, and, and I think it's really cool that some of these athletes that are not from the big two sports are actually starting to get these endorsement deals and are starting to get some money for that as well. I mean, if you look at even like Wisconsin's volleyball team, um, uh, Dana, uh, was it Dana Racky, who's the like the star volleyball player? She's gotten I've seen a bunch of her stuff on Instagram. She's doing a lot of ads, and so how do you think this affects sort of like the lower, you know, not the two big sports, men's basketball, men's football, but some of these other athletes in the the lesser known sports? I love that question, and 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 frankly, I think it's one of the more important things to come out of NIL is because. NIL was mostly based on, okay, college men's college basketball and football in terms of that's where the, the, the loudest voices were coming from. It's because, you know, they're putting in this time and they're on national television and they're making the majority of the money for the school, right, in terms of brand partnerships and that sort of thing. Um, and, and look, and I think at the end of the day, athletes have a huge part in that, but so does the brand, right? Like the University of Miami brand the University of Wisconsin brand, those are big things. And the athletes are a part of that 100%. But the brand's been there for hundreds of years, right? The athletes are there for one to basically four years. So there, I think in terms of a balance there, right, like the, both brands are important. The athletes are important. The university is important. So I think sort of trying to find a balance there is important. Um so I, I don't know. I, hopefully that answers your question. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, Olivia Dunn just broke my computer from searching <laughs> it. Oh, my God. She's everywhere. I, I mean, she should be on every billboard. <laughs> Did you see her? She is a very beautiful woman. Let me tell you, if you're listening, just just Google her. Oh, my it's, God. It's done with an E at the end. Okay. So <laughs> uh, uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. So you have your own sports law podcast. Tell us how that sort of came about, how you got into that, and, you know, what kind of the, some of the stuff you talk about on the show is. You know, so I appreciate you asking that. And and uh, I wanted to real quick go back to that question because I one thing I wanted to add to that was – I thought that one of the great things about NIL was that it opened it up to other athletes because the, the standard now is not, do you play a certain sport? It's how many followers do you have and what's your level of engagement? So that to me is like, that's a game changer, right? Um, you know, with the, with the podcast, I appreciate, appreciate you asking. It's believe in sports law. It's obviously on the same network as you guys. And the funny story is, um, well, the story is, and I find the story to be funny. <laughs> so is, uh, there was actually a job posting on, uh, for, for believe. And I think it was to be like a lawyer for believe or something. Right. I think it was a general counsel. I get a call from Braun, you know, the CEO. And he says, Hey, Jeremy, I see your work. I see your writing. So you've been on t- TV, you've been on radio. Um, we think you're a great lawyer, but we think you'd be even a better podcast host. What do you think? (laughs) That's literally how it came, came out, but there's two like little points I want to add to that as sort of how it came to getting a podcast together. Cause it's not something 
normally that lawyers do, uh, unfortunately, but I feel like lawyers could offer a lot of information and, and wisdom, but, and really, I think, um, bring lawyers more to the people in terms of, uh, uh, kind of bridging that gap. Right. But two things were in my mind with the podcast. The first was a quote that I really live by and it's, uh, content is king, but distribution is queen and she wears the pants. And, <laughs> and it's this great quote by Jonathan Perelman, who was, uh, uh, one of the head partners at ICM, a big entertainment agency in Hollywood that just got purchased by CAA. But he had this great quote, and to me, that it, it it brings a lot to the table because you and I, for example, we've just had this podcast together, right? Doing this recording. If that recording sat in a in a Google Drive somewhere and never saw the light of day, no one would care, and basically, it never happened, right? So distribution is everything. It's where is it at? Uh, who's connected to it? Um, how many people see it? This is why NIL and engagement is so important. Um, it's how many people are engaging with, with content and that to me, where the value is at. And so when I thought, okay, how can I reach more people? How can I get my message out there? Um, and frankly, how can I be creative? And I thought, okay, well, the podcast is probably the way to go. I was just sort of waiting for the opportunity where I could have a good distribution partner. And that was sort of believe. And because look, you and I, we could all go create our own podcast and promote it on our own channels. Um, but it's always nice to have a partner in there to help you distribute that stuff. And, and, and I thought believe would, 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 would provide that. And they have. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, so, we'll wait, go so, ahead, Jeremy, so believe in your world is the Olivia Dunn for you, the 6 million followers gets you out in front of everybody. Oh man, awesome! <laughs> I'll say, you know, it's funny. I love the people that believe. I mean, Bron is such a—he's got a good reputation in the community. He's a good guy. Um, and 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 don't take this in a uh, in a way that I'm trying to suck up to you guys, but it it creates like a good like you like we we got to meet through this, right? Um, and now look, is there bigger podcast networks out there? I'm sure there is, but. Uh, I think, you know, for me, it works. It, it's good for now. And I, I guess I'll sort of say this is um, one of my uh, favorite books is a book called Tools of Titans by um, Tim Ferriss. And it's this great line where he says, don't focus on the money, focus on the content, create good content and the people and the money will come. And so for me, I was like, I'm just going to create good content. I'm going to create and I'm going to be creative with it. I'm going to have fun with it. And then that will potentially lead to something. So that's kind of where I was at. And um, to your point, uh, Believe is definitely, uh, you know, one of the better ones and they treat their people good. So um, I'm happy with it. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for, for coming on, answering a thousand questions from, I would say, two people who, I mean, the only law degree I have is how to fight with my wife, who is a lawyer. So that's all I'm working with. Um, but I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us for an hour. I know your time is very valuable and it helps us kind of understand this new era of NIL, which is very confusing still to the layman. And I'm sure to even you in your professional career, but I know we would love to have you on again. I'm sure at some point when some of these new, interesting, really cool things start popping up and school start getting in trouble. I'd be like, I would love to hear more about this stuff when 
We're yeah, I, I'm excited but... for the first big scandal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sadly, we're all excited for that. <laughs> all right. No, well, hey, you guys are both terrific, and I'm you know truly honored that you guys asked me to be on, and um, and and just I honestly just happy to be here with you guys. Love what you guys are doing, and uh, and happy to chat anytime. Thanks, man. Where can uh, where Thank can people you. find you? So oh, I love it. I love it. So uh, the website's pretty easy. CSLlegal.com. So, or you can just Google California sports lawyer. It'll pop up. That's the name of the business, California sports lawyer. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at uh, Jeremy M Evans ESQ. Um, my Instagram is the same handle. Jeremy M Evans, Jeremy M Evans ESQ. So um, yeah, call, email, holler anytime. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone out there. We'll be back next week. We've got Owen Daniels on with us next week, which I'm really looking forward to. We got Garrett Groshek lined up after that. So we, we got some big interviews coming. Michael Bennett. We're so we are going to be getting with him uh, very soon as well. And all guys who would have made money. It, it's bulls season. All guys that would have made money. That's right. I mean, and a lot of it too. I mean, Michael Owen Bennett Daniels. Owen Daniels when he was at Wisconsin. I don't know if you know. You know who Owen is, Jeremy. He was a tight end for Wisconsin. Played for the Texans. His nickname was the Weatherman, and he would go on and because he was a which, which I'm so excited to, to talk to him about his meteorology degree because he would go on the local news while he was in college and do the weather on like Sundays. I love it. Owen Daniels is a stud. He's a stud. Oh, he won a God, Super Bowl yes. with the yeah with the Broncos. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely he's a stud. He had the stats. He had the the, the pedigree. Everything, man. He's you know one, one of those one of those big names. Absolutely. So it's it's a so I'm, I, it's so interesting now that we think back, like how many of these dudes would have been oh my God. made so much money in in this time? Can you imagine how much money Ron Dane would have made? Ron Dane would be a trillionaire at this point. <laughs> not, not to mention Reggie Bush and Matt Liner and those Oregon teams. And, Wait, Jeremy, um, to go back one question. Do you think Reggie Bush should be given his trophy back? No. That's so interesting. I do, but I mean, listen, he did get paid to play, which I completely agree is against the rules. But even if he wasn't, he's not going to play any worse. I, I think he would have done that. His performances are just, they're mind-blowing. I also stood two people in front of him at the NFL draft. And I know the teams are like, get Bernstein. Who get him out of the way. Like, let's see Reggie Bush. Cause we had to stand on the stage without like our shirts on. It's very weird. Oh, at, <laughs> at the, the combine? combine, at the combine, at the combine in like spandex shorts, nothing else, no socks. And Reggie Bush was two behind me. And I kept turning around to look at him. And now, and, and, and Matt, do you know who was behind Reggie Bush? It's a good question. Oh, uh, another, was it another running back? Was a running back um, behind Reggie Bush, so this would have been the combine in February of '06. So uh, I am going to go with Brian Calhoun. Dude, how do you know these things? That's unreal. I, I, was I, I right? right there? I mean, you just dropped the mic. Yeah. All right. All right. Dude, there we go. That's impressive. There we on, go. On like a hundred different levels. There we go. All right. Well, listen. Another guy would have made money. We, we can talk about definitely. This all day. Jeremy, Def- thank you so much. Have thank a you great, so much. And uh, until <laughs> next time, time, everyone on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. All right. All right. Merry Christmas, you guys. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.